Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of How I Teach. I am excited again, once again, to bring you How I Teach. I'm going to get some housekeeping uh, items out of the way. I'm Donna Reish, your hostess and your teacher for How I Teach. And today and next week, I'm going to bring you episodes number 31 and 32, Editing Junior High and High School Student Papers. Editing um, is a great love of mine, actually. <laughs> um, I have to hire out a lot of my editing for the first edit through to stu for student papers because I have about 60 students each semester and um, each year. And that is just too much time that I don't have each week after I teach. So I uh, train my editors to edit this material. And then they bring it to me and then I edit on their edits. So more about that in a little bit, but editing is one of my great loves actually. And you'll see why as I go through here. So uh, let's get this housekeeping stuff out of the way. So we have a teacher's notebook, episode sheets. These come every single week with every episode and they have valuable content for you to use. Usually they have lessons that you can use that you can just print off and teach tomorrow as soon as you watch me. I teach you how to teach it, then you can print it off and use it. Um, today specifically, it has editing, um, a, a paper that's been edited by me that I'm going to be teaching you from. It has a proofreader's document here that you can print off for all of your students. Um, it has my other proofreader's marks um, that I use on student papers. So you want to pick up, this is a short one. Usually they are like 20, 30 pages long with tons just packed with um, information that you can use and lessons that you can teach directly from. So without further ado, I am going to jump in to the PowerPoint. You have two ways to consume how I teach. You can um, listen to it on your favorite podcast provider with your uh, teacher's notebook right beside you, I hope, uh, because it is a very visual um, broadcast. Uh, or you can watch it here um, on Language Arts Lady blog or at um, iTunes, I mean YouTube. And it has, when you watch it, I have a PowerPoint presentation that you see right now if you're watching it up on the screen. And it has the exact same content that the teacher's notebook has. So you can listen with your teacher's notebook, you can watch just with the slides here that I teach from, but either way, grab those teacher's notebooks. We have all of them all together for you um, in the, uh, um, at the blog. So you can go to languageartsladyblog.com forward slash teacher's notebook, and you can get all 31 of them so far. So I'm gonna take a deep breath and I'm going to dig in because I have been getting ready for this. I finished teaching uh, about two hours ago and I've been getting ready for this. Um, already had it all. My assistant already created everything. She does a beautiful job with that. But just really like, oh, you know, I feel like I'm going to be rambling. I mean, feel like I'm going to be running. I feel like I'm just going to be running to get all of this content out there. And so I just decided that I was going to take a deep breath and it was going to be a two-parter so that I can thoroughly teach from all of the content that you see, and that I can give you strategies and tools that you can use in editing your own student papers. 
So big picture, editing junior high and high school student papers and why we spend so much time, effort and money on it in our programs. So as I mentioned earlier, I teach 60 students each year and uh, the majority of those are in my complete language arts program, character quality language arts. And that is a faith-based uh, complete language arts program um, that is available a Character Inc. store um, as a downloadable product actually now, all of our materials are now downloaded, <clears throat> downloadable. And then I also have different ones that I teach from meaningful composition, which is also a downloadable one semester character based book. Um, so in between there, however, I always test all of the um, write from up books that you see here that I've been teaching from. Sometimes I teach from meaningful comp, sometimes I teach from write for a month and I test those. So like I'll skip the uh, writing in CQLA and I will test one of those writing uh, products instead. I'll just stick it right in there in, in between all the grammar and things like that. So I have tons of student papers coming in. Every student writes three papers every five weeks. So they have two that I give them the source from, and then they have a, an original, such as any of the things that I've been teaching you from during these hit episodes all the story writing, all the essay writing, all the research writing, all the things that I've been teaching from. And so then they have their checklist challenge, which I also taught from. So you can go check out the whole um, offerings of all the How I Teach Us with uh, languageartsladyblog.com forward slash how I teach. It has all episodes in their descriptions there. So what this means is that I have a lot of papers and um, I, believe that one of the best ways that we can teach students how to write correctly is to teach them from their own writing and to teach them so so we have all of this grammar and so so we have all of these grammar lessons like okay today i mean we had adjectives predicate adjectives prepositional phrases subordinate clauses um, main subject main verb lots of like homophones and um, there, 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 it just depends on the level of students, um, affect and effect, hyper and hypo, um, so many grammar lessons, memorization of all of the grammar terms that I taught um, in the Think Fast Grammar Quiz episodes, uh, the last one I taught that on was episode 29, so they have all of these grammar items, and they learn them in grammar, right, sometimes in isolation, unfortunately, um, the best way to teach grammar is to link it to their writing, and that is why the checklist challenge is so crucial for my students. They learn the grammar, they write their papers, they apply the grammar by doing all the tasks on the checklist challenge. I have a couple of episodes of that training too. I even have a free video and a free book um, at uh, Language Arts Lady Blog. So they apply that there. Another way that we can help them learn to apply all of these grammar tools and these techniques and the usage content that we have in our language arts programs is to edit their papers well and to give them proofreaders marks and little tips and little tricks and little codes that they can learn so that they can see, oh yeah, I knew that that was a compound sentence. 
oh yeah, I see what you mean there. Or, oh yeah, I see, I see how many subordinate clause openers I missed. I understand. Um, yep, I know what you mean. Okay. And that is only going to happen as they do something like editor duty, which is another one of my programs, but also through the editing of their papers. And so that is why, as I mentioned, every week their papers come to me. I have two editors who have been through my programs for five to seven years. Um, I usually use college students or like upper, upper level high schoolers who've been through all of my programs for years and years and years. Um, sometimes I have co-teachers also um, do it, do the editing, assistant teachers, and then they come to me and I edit on the, on the editor's edits. So it just kind of gives me a little bit of a break because a lot of the things are already found for me um, so that I can code and I can also know what to reinforce with students. So this week and next week, I would like to teach you the secrets of editing student papers well. Editing student papers in such a way that they truly learn from those edits. That it's not just something where we give something back to them and it has a little mark here and there and says, good job, fine, could be better, whatever. It's really funny because I have a lot of students who come back to me the first few weeks of college especially like over Thanksgiving break, like in there, they'll come back or they email me, especially nowadays, they'll email me and they'll say, um, is it okay if I scan my paper into you and can you help me edit it? Um, because my, my teacher said B minus and said fine work, develop this more, but didn't help me know how to fix it how to change it, what to do with it. And so I say, scan it to me and you bring it to me. Usually I'll make a video for them or I'll have them come over during their Thanksgiving break and we'll go over it. And they're just like, I just did not know what I had when I had you as my teacher and you put all that time and effort into editing my papers. You know, I learned so much from that and now I have, you know, a college prof who obviously doesn't have the time, probably doesn't have the money. I mean, I'm willing to take less pay so that I can edit their papers and hire editors because I believe in it so much. It's a service that I want to offer as part of my teaching because I believe in it so strongly. But, you know, not every teacher has that option to hire somebody to help her edit student papers. Not every professor has the time to go through and edit student papers like what I'm describing here. But I would propose to you that if you make this a part of your teaching process, that if you make it a part of your you know, teacher uh, regiment and what you do all the time, that you will see drastic changes in students writing through this. So I'm going to walk you through for two weeks exactly how we do it and exactly what we say, what we write on student papers and how we teach from those student papers. All right, so I first of all want to emphasize that this is a paper that had not been edited yet. That was from a junior high, it was either eighth or ninth grader. And it was a, oh, okay, yeah. Uh, uh, my um, tech girl put half page on each slide for me because it was too small the other way. So, um, so this is a, an eighth or ninth grade student paper 
that I edited myself. So this only has my edits on it. Um, and that I want to teach you from uh, today and next week. So as I go through here, I want to tell you a few things. First of all, I want you to know that we don't have this much time. This paper took me 20 minutes and I'm fast. I mean, I can do a student paper at the level we do it in 10 minutes. So what usually happens is an outside editor spends about 10, seven to 15 minutes. Depends on how long it is. Like, you know, my research students next semester, they'll have 24 paragraph papers. So they will spend a lot more time on those. But generally speaking on a weekly paper that is, you know, six paragraphs long, uh, something like this is at an eighth grade level or so, the, uh, the editor will spend about 10 minutes on the edits and about five minutes checking the checklist challenge. And then I will spend, you know, another 10 minutes or so on the paper after that person, maybe sometimes only five minutes. It depends on the level. I definitely focus a lot more on the upper level edits than I do on the elementary level edits. So, um, so I'm saying all that to say that this took me 20 minutes and it's very, very in depth. So it has so many edits on it. It has so many marks. And this student is not a bad student. She was a great student. But I wanted to find every little single thing that I would possibly, you know, that I could possibly teach you from. So I say all that to say that normally a paper would not have this many edits on it. I mean, look at that because we wouldn't have the time to do that. We don't have 20 to 30 minutes per paper. You know, this paper, the, the, uh, my assistant would have, my assistant editor would have 10 minutes and I would have five. Okay, so it would not be anything like this. So I want you to know that a student would not get back a paper that looks this edited. And that's important to note because that could be discouraging, right? So I want you to realize that up front, that a student in my classes does not get something back that is this marked up. I think that that would be, I think that would crush them. Okay, but for you, I wanted to teach you everything that you could put in to teach a student from, okay? All right, so before we dig into this, and this is why I wanted this to be two, uh, two week, a two week hit, I wanna come back here to proofreader's marks. Okay, you have this free document in your, uh, that looks like this, in your teacher's notebook. Additionally, um, in the description at YouTube and um, iTunes and my blog, I have a freebie that has a, a decorative proofreader's marks. It's like a poster for students. It just looks absolutely fantastic. And, um, and it also has this page here in it and it's a free packet. So you would have something for you in this proofreader's marks document. And then this also is for you. And then you will also have a student poster, which is colorful, a colorful proofreader's marks document. And that is completely free at my Teachers Pay Teacher store. So grab that link at um, Language Arts Lady blog, iTunes, or YouTube. All right, so I want to explain to you what you're going to see as we go through the paper, all right? And when I talk about proofreader's marks, I'm talking about marks that are used in publishing, right? These are official proofreader's marks that are used in public publishing. And 
as a as a teacher who wants to edit really well and in great detail, you want to use these marks because you want something to be consistent all the way across the board. I don't want one editor putting one one thing for a capital for capitalization, another editor putting something else and me putting something else. I don't want kids to have to guess all the time about what my marks mean. So no matter whether you are in fourth grade or 12th grade in my classes, this is the document that you will get at the beginning of the year. And I tell students, when you look at your paper and you wanna check out the, the, edit, the proofreader's marks, the editor's notes and marks, you need to have this document beside you so that you can say, oh, that means capitalize. Oh, that means lowercase. Oh, that means delete and so forth. And I tell them, you don't have to know it all right now. You don't have to know everything that this means, every mark, um, but you will gradually learn it as we go. And you can ask me questions. Today, they, I handed back papers and they said, what does the little triple underline mean? And I said, it means you're gonna capitalize. Right, so guys, that's in your proofreader's mark. So be sure you keep looking at that when you're looking at your edits. But I'm happy to answer their questions too. I, I have a, a policy of answering student questions and parent questions thoroughly, quickly, um, and happily. Because I figure if they are working that hard at home that they need my help, power to them, right? I'm so happy that they're working at home hard and that they need my input on something because if they need me that means they're working right so i always tell them don't don't worry about it okay i'm happy to help you all right so this these are the proofreaders marks that you will see as we go through this paper this week and next week okay and these are like i said traditional publisher marks and um they are uh used you know in, in with real true editors and real true um copy editors and so forth in publishing uh, companies uh, everywhere, okay? So triple underline means to capitalize. A slash through a capital means to make it lowercase. Um, a, uh, what I call a whirly gig or a circle with a whirly gig on the end of it, got a little tail there. Sometimes uh, proofreaders will circle the end and then put a little a whirly gig coming out from the circle to show that you take it out. Or you can just put the whirly gig all the way through like this. Um, sometimes it's preferred to put a circle and then the whirly gig on it because you can see what's underneath there. And sometimes it's hard to see if you put the line through it. Now I always tell students the reason we want the whirly gig rather than just an X or a line through it or something like that is because a whirly gig, as I call it, it's, that's not the official name or anything, because <laughs> I should clarify that. My kids are used to me calling it a whirly gig. Um, the whirly gig shows that it was a it was purposeful, like it wasn't an accidental X or an accidental line, you know, a loose little uh, mark here or there. The whirly gig shows that it's that it's a true um, mark that it wasn't an accident. All right, then we insert punctuation with a um, with the punctuation mark and circling it. He went to town period. When he left comma, he went to town. Uh, insert, of course, with a caret. We insert between two words. We insert a letter if something is misspelled. A reverse there. He too went town. We wanna to say he went to town. So we're gonna have a reversal. Um, 
I guess, don't really want to call that a whirly gig, but a reversal um, little line going back and forth, up and down. Um, and then insert space, a number sign means space. Okay, so this is really important, especially with my newer kids who are not used to formatting paragraphs so clearly um, that I will say, you know, space, space, number, number. And then that tells them go down when you start your next paragraph. I can't tell when your next paragraph starts if you're using blocking rather than indenting. So you need a double space. So that can be between words, it can be between lines, um, but it shows that you're going to insert either um, a line space or a letter space, uh, one way or the other, wherever, depending on where it falls. All right, then uh, STET, S-T-E-T -T, dot, dot, dot. Um, that is, I think, Latin, but it means leave it as it was before. Well, this is important when we have student, when we have, oh, I have other editors and I don't agree with what they're editing, right? So maybe I don't agree with an edit. So I'll just put right above it, STET, and that means to ignore whatever edit is being stetted, as I call it. I told the kids, I stetted that, so don't worry about it. Or maybe I marked something that I didn't mean and I want to stet it. I don't want to like with my pen or you know mark through it real big time or whatever because I you know I want them to be able to see what's underneath it so instead I just stet it all right and then moving something from one place to another if it's not just a simple reverse that can just be done with our little wavy thing then we're going to arrow to wherever it goes and then that is a paragraph symbol this is the first one that all my students learn because I'm always like wait a minute where's your new paragraph start and I put their paragraph line in uh, put the paragraph mark in for them so that they realize that they needed to move that down so that it's uh, obvious that it is a new paragraph. Now, this is only a small part of our proofreader's marks that we use here at Character Inc. Cottage classes and Character Inc. online classes. That is our publishing company, our print, what was our print publishing company, but now we're all downloadable. Uh, what was our print publishing company and what is our um, our uh, live and online class is Character Inc. I and K, get it? Yeah, Inc. All right, so that's not, these are not the only things that we use for Character Inc. publishing. So let's go over my own proofreader, proofreader's marks, right? That's a small por portion of everything that we do, okay? Because as I mentioned earlier, I want them to learn the grammar that they are. Uh, I want them to apply the grammar that they're learning. And if I just go through and put commas in for them, and I just go through and put semicolons in where they're creating a compound or something like that, and I don't teach them from their paper, then they're not going to know why, right? They're not going to know what they did wrong. And this is why even like with math, when I homeschooled my student, my kids for 32 years, I, we would always grade their math with them, sit right beside them. And my husband does the same thing with his math students. Now he's got algebra one, algebra two, pre-algebra, geometry, consumer math, middle school, junior high math, <laughs> elementary math. He teaches all the maths, um, but it's the same concept. We're going to grade right here with you and we're going to show you what you did wrong. and We're going to fix it together. And that is one of the beauties of either private tutoring or homeschooling or after schooling, you know, or small group learning or whatever, because you have the opportunity to catch the error, to catch the mistake right away and to teach from it. 
So I don't want to just put commas in their papers. I want to tell them why a comma goes somewhere. And so these are the codings that I use on student papers that you will see uh, next week <laughs> when we go through that whole paper. These are the coding marks that I use. So a sub opener, that means that it's a subordinate clause opener and it needs a comma following it. And then a PP opener means it's a prepositional phrase opener that needs a comma. A double PP open means it's a double prepositional phrase opener that needs a comma. And then just opener comma will tell them that it's another kind of opener and it needs a comma. RED means redundancy. So if they used a word a lot in one paragraph, I'll put, I'll like uh, draw arrows to the words and write RED. Um, AWK means awkward or rework. The wording on here is awkward. It, um, you, you know, rework it so that it uh, sounds better or is clearer. And if they're younger or they're new or whatever, I will just go ahead and put a sample of how they could rework it. Again, depending on time. Like I said, the one that I'm gonna be reviewing next week is one that I spent a great deal of time on so I could teach you. But it just, you know, it depends on how many errors there are. Because if it is a very, very error-filled paper, we don't wanna mark it all. Like I said, I, it's demoralizing to have that many edits on your paper. So then I would pick the things that are either consistently happening to really point out, or I would, um, you know, pick the things maybe that we just had. So I might put a note in the margin, don't forget about all the compounds we just made in class. And then I would write compound all the time. And that would be something that they, we just had in class and grammar. So now they're going to apply it to writing. All right, so underneath awkward there, we have boring word slash verb. And that means that they need to use something stronger or a more distinct word. Band are uh, boring words that we're going to replace. We have a list of those in their checklist challenge. So they come to memorize those after a while. So they know what to look for to replace band. CS equals complete sentence. Um, this is really important because of the next one down too. No CS, that means it's not a complete sentence. So you can't use it legally in this way. And you're gonna see all of these really come into play when we go over the student paper next week. No uh, CS, semicolon CS, that is a common mark that my students will see above their sentences, that they could combine these two with the semicolon, with a complete sentence on the left, complete sentence on the right, and that is creating the next one down, CMP, a compound sentence. Run on, two sentences running together. Um, I also use CS on that. So if two sentences are running together, I'll put a CS on the left and a CS on the right, and then above it, I'll write run on and then they can fix it in whichever way that they want. Now, again, that depends on the level. If they're, you know, they need for me to go in and put the semicolon or like with this group today, we just did semicolon. So I would go in and put their semicolon in and say, look, this is a great place for a semicolon, right? Because you have a, a simple sentence on the left and a simple sentence on the right. They're both related to each other. Um, the topics are closely interlinked. And this would be a great place for a semicolon um, because right now you have a run on. All right, and then CS comma, C, little CC, CS. In my world, a big CC is a checklist challenge and a little CC is a coordinating conjunction. So CS, capital CS, comma, little CC, CS. That means complete sentence, comma, coordinating conjunction, complete sentence with the lower, with the second half starting with the lowercase letter. Um, 
the second half of a compound sentence that's created with a uh, comma CC, a comma coordinated conjunction, the second half will be lowercase. Then uh, sometimes if we just had a lesson on, um, let's see if I can enlarge that. I don't know if that works for you. I think that might work for you. Let's try that and see. All right, so if we just had a lesson on for and nor but or yet so, so we just had a lesson on little cc, coordinated conjunctions, and we just learned about how you can use those with commas to combine two sentences into one, I'll put this detail, cs, comma, for, cs, comma, and, comma, nor, comma, but, comma, or, comma, yet, comma, so. All right, and they know that, that we just had that lesson, so I will emphasize that. So you can see a lot of the times that the things that I'm emphasizing are based on uh, what the mistakes they continually make, like that student, like you'll see in this uh, paper today. Um, I'll go back, I'll go up to that. Let me see here. Oh, wait a minute, I did something wrong here. I made it too small. Okay, all right. Um, you can see in this paper here that uh, I said work on subclause openers. Um, this is the last page of it where I give excellent and then I give work on. So I want to give them some things to work on, but I also want them to be encouraged by the things that they did well. So um, I'm uh, making an excellent or work on. I also make sure that my um, editors put things in like um, uh, um, super CMP. Perfect subclause opener, okay, that kind of thing, uh, so that they can see some of the things that uh, they're doing right. So that is a lot to take in. And um, I know that not everybody's going to edit exactly like I edit, but any form of uh, this kind of editing or any um, uh, kind of coding or kind of con continuity that you can develop in your editing is going to be so teachable. So, so teachable. I mean, my students by the third month of being with me, level B and C, so that'd be sixth grade through 12, they know what all of these things mean. They're, they're gonna know what all these things mean. They're gonna get their papers back today. Sweet, sweet angelic beings. I'm telling you, I've got this, I've got so many great students. I had eight junior high students, first thing this morning, all 100% diligent. Have you ever heard of that? Is that just the coolest thing ever? Eight 100% thorough, diligent, um, cooperative, cheerful, amazing kids. I just like, oh, how did I ever get this job? You know, it's so amazing. Um, I forgot to turn this off. I'm sorry. And they got their papers back today. And they said, can you remind me what the CS means again? Yep, it means a complete sentence. Can you show me what she meant here or what you meant here? Yep, see how on the left side, that, da, 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 That's a real sentence. And on the right, it's a real sentence. And then I read it to them all running together and they're like, oh, yeah, right? And they learn and they learn and they learn. I cannot emphasize how much they learn from this. It's, it's just remarkable. And so I would just, love to encourage you to, to um, have you make this a part of your life, <laughs> a part of your teaching, a part of your training, 
And maybe, you know, maybe you feel like you don't have time to do that, uh, to do more than you're already doing. So maybe just evaluate, is there something that's less helpful than this? Is there something that's uh, not as pertinent to them as this? I was just thinking about that today. I was like, wow, do you remember? I remember a time that I used to spend so much time in class doing think fast quizzes because I just think fast quizzes. I just wanted them to do them all the time. Then I got in the habit of sending one home every week and not using class time for it. And it just, it was a good move. It was a good switch that I made because I, I didn't, I don't like wasting class time. I hate, I hate it when any of my 90 minutes that I have with my writing, my language arts students, I hate it when any of that time is not used well. And so I was just thinking today, I don't remember when I dropped the in-class think fast quizzes and, and then started passing them out every week for them to take home to do. But that gave me another five or six minutes in class that could be used for something better, right? Like going over their papers, teaching from their papers. So maybe it isn't that you have to add something else and maybe you don't feel like there's any time to add anything else, but maybe you can just evaluate and see, you know, what isn't as important as this? What isn't as effective as this might be if you think that this would be effective for you? All right, so next week we are doing it all, guys. We are gonna come here to the Predator and Prey. We're gonna go through all of these things. I'm gonna teach you how I teach from them and I am excited. All right, so I've already run over, so here we go. We have freebies, right? Forward slash how I teach. That is all of the, um, uh, that is all the broadcasts, okay? And then teacher's notebook, that is all of the episodes sheets in one place. Okay, I have some free products. Um, these are not directly related to editing, but I did want you to know that each of these books is free and has a video with it uh, that you can use for your kids. It's a, it's a like a me teaching students kind of video. So each of these has a free lesson with a free video um, that you can get when you just sign up for the blog. 18 freebies. All right, then we have uh, more digital products. Uh, that are related to story writing. I tried to include a lot of story writing ones since this um, uh, paper that we're going to be editing or that I'm going to be teaching from is a story. So there are a lot of stories that you can uh, get there as a downloadable product, either at Language Arts Lady Store or at Teachers Pay Teachers Language Arts Lady Store. All right, and then here are all the creative books that are meaningful composition been getting a lot of uh, emails and responses, uh, people telling me how much they are really enjoying Meaningful Composition. I feel like a lot more people are trying it since it's a downloadable product. And so that has been really exciting for me too. We can create a class. I can teach for you online or in person. You can hire a teacher uh, for one subject or more and private tutoring. Thank you so much for joining me. I just love these uh, weekly broadcasts when I can just share all the things that I love about teaching. Thank you for joining me.